Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio, featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew, Bible teacher and pastor of Grace Valley Christian Center, located in Davis, California. Today, Pastor Matthew continues in the Bible series on the book of Hebrews with this message entitled, The Blessings of Good Friday. If you have your Bible with you, please turn to Hebrews 9. Now here is our Bible teacher, Pastor P.G. Matthew. Heavenly Father, help us this morning to understand why it is that the Bible is a bloody book. Millions and millions of animals and birds have been killed. And their death had a sacramental and symbolic significance. But it never was able to cleanse human conscience from its guilt. It never brought a person into fellowship with God. It kept people away from God's presence. But then we read about Good Friday and the death of another. Not an animal, but a human. But more than a human, God, man, very God and very man, who knew no sin, but he died. He was crucified. And the Father gave him up. And Jesus Christ gave himself up because he loved us. And this death is unique. And it is the death of Jesus Christ that opens the door to heaven. It is the death of Jesus Christ alone that cancels, expunges, obliterates our sin and its penalty. Oh, help us to rejoice in the blessings of Good Friday. Lord, we pray that if there is any person here today whose conscience is defiled, whose sins are not covered, whose transgressions are not forgiven, Lord, may that person be enabled by your Spirit to trust in this substitutionary death of Christ and receive forgiveness of sin and the promised eternal inheritance of eternal fellowship with God. This alone is joy unspeakable and full of glory. Perform your wonders and miracles for we know that you are in our midst and will not Cast away anyone who comes to you in faith. Save people, heal people, raise people from the dead. Comfort people. For this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. A professor recently gave me a, a note which uh, spoke about Claremont Graduate University. It is offering an unusual doctoral program to find out what makes people happy. The spokesman, Mr. Mihali, that's his first name, last name I cannot pronounce. He says, we don't know enough about what makes 
life worth living, what gives people hope and energy and enjoyment? Of course, they want to find answer to this question in behavior psychology. In other words, they want to find an answer in man. Of course, the answer is revealed in the Bible. The gospel is the answer to the question, what makes people happy? True happiness comes to people from what happened on Good Friday on the hill of Calvary. Jesus said the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Abundant happiness Jesus alone gives. God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. Jesus loved us and he gave himself for us in the death of the cross. Isaac, the one and only son of Abraham, did not have to die. He had a substitute, a ram caught in the thicket. Son of God died in our place. There was no substitute for him. He died in our place and for our sins. He died that we may live forever in eternal happiness that we may live forever with God. In him alone we find grace which causes us to rejoice always. Sorrowful yet always rejoicing. I want to let you know I do not need to go to Claremont University to research what makes me happy. I am happy. The cross of Christ makes me happy. What happened long ago on Good Friday makes us all happy. But this, our happiness, is on the basis of God's covenant concerning which this chapter has much to say. So first let's look at covenant structure. We meet with this word covenant in chapter 7 verse 22. The Greek word is diatheke. And so you need to make a correction here in chapter 9 in verse 16 and 17. In case of a will. Well the word is covenant. And they chose to use that word will in 16 and 17. But in the New American Standard Version, it will be covenant. So covenant is an important idea in this section. Covenant. When God enters into a covenant agreement with man, it is always based on grace. God takes the initiative. God imposes terms of covenant upon his creatures. And covenant establishes a loving relationship with people. That's why the heart of the covenant is, I'll be your God, you'll be my people. It is relational. And a covenant is for people's enjoyment. 
And this enjoyment is based on people's loving obedience to God, always. And a covenant violator must die. And a covenant is ratified always by death, bloodshed. And you see that in 15th chapter of Genesis, animals were cut into halves. They are put in such a way there is a pathway through these split animals. And both parties walk through the pathway, calling upon themselves the curse and death in case if anyone is found delinquent. And the great point you need to keep in mind when he established covenant with Abraham in Genesis 15, only one goes through that pathway that was God himself and not Abraham. It has great meaning. The idea is that man violates the covenant man must die, but he's not going to die. God himself will die in place of sinful man. God in Jesus Christ. So John Murray says, Professor Murray, the covenant is a sovereign dispensation of God's grace. It is grace bestowed and a relation established. So a covenant, an agreement, is divinely devised, administered, confirmed, and executed. And when we study Abrahamic covenant in chapters 12, 15, and 17 of Genesis, which is the basis of both the Mosaic covenant and the new covenant of which Jeremiah spoke, we notice the following features. Certain promises are given. In essence, I'll be your God and you'll be my people. It is characterized by divine monergism. That is, God works. And God alone works. God himself executes the covenant for the enjoyment of his obedient people. And the covenant is characterized by perpetuity. It is an everlasting covenant. And God himself confirms it to Abraham by a self-maledictory covenant ratifying procedure. In other words, God pronounces a curse upon himself if he does not perform the covenant for the blessing of his people. A covenant deals with salvation of a people who are chosen by God. Those who are obedient to enjoy the blessings of the covenant. Which essentially is a loving relationship with God. And therefore it is impossible to enjoy a relationship with God without love. And love is keeping his commandments. And a covenant is ratified by death of animals, representing God and people, the two parties to the agreement. The animals are killed and blood is shed to ratify a covenant. The idea is the party who violates the covenant must die. But 
One party is God, and God cannot lie, and God cannot die. God is almighty. God is good. Therefore, he will not violate his covenant. It is man who violated the covenant. Therefore, man must die. Abraham must die. Moses must die. Israelites must die. Who were party to the Mosaic covenant. We all must die. Die, 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 death, blood, rivers of blood. It is full of blood when you open the Bible. And you begin to ask questions, why is it, sir? Because we violated the covenant. We violated God's covenant because we are born sinners and practice sins daily. And we are morally crippled. There's a moral inability in fallen man. But wonder of wonders, in God's own eternal plan, instead of actual violators dying for their violation, the other party, the innocent party, God himself has decided to die in sinner's place. But God is immortal. And so God's Son became man that he may die our death, that we may live and live an abundant life. Adam must die for he sinned against God, who said to him, the day you eat thereof, you will die. Ezekiel tells us the soul that sinneth, it shall die. St. Paul tells us the wages of sin is death. So all are born dead and they will die. And unless we trust in this one who died in our place, you will also die eternal death called second death in the Bible. You can search and research all you want about happiness. It will never come to you, sir. It is appointed, we are told in this chapter, once to die. And then it is appointed that he may face judgment. From Genesis 3 on, millions and millions of animals were killed until the Good Friday. When Jesus died in the sinner's place because the blood of bulls and goats cannot cleanse our defiled consciences. They cannot make us holy to enjoy fellowship with a holy God. And you read Leviticus 19 verse 2, be holy for I am holy. And holiness is an essential precondition for happiness because holiness brings about eternal enjoyment of the presence of God thank God for the divine principle of substitution and thank God for a divinely qualified substitute the son of God Jesus Christ the sinless one all animal sacrifices in the history of redemption pointed to him to solve our sin problem he became the mediator of the covenant his mediation makes the covenant better covenant a new covenant for he sees to it that the interests of both parties secured he vindicates God's justice and holiness he also saves sinners like us by his 
death once for all offered to God which God accepted his obedience and his righteousness in life and death defends God's holiness and saves us from our eternal destruction let me read to you from Romans 3 and verse 25 and 26 God presented him that is Jesus Christ on the cross as a sacrifice of atonement a sacrifice that made atonement between God and man through faith in his blood he did this to demonstrate his justice to defend his justice because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished he did it to demonstrate his justice at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies sinners that is who put their faith in Jesus Christ the choice is now very very clear either the sinner must die he is dead spiritually and he will die physically and he must die eternally or thank God there is an or there is a choice or trust in Jesus Christ alone who died in place of the sinner who repents and believes that's a choice secondly covenant keeping covenant keeping the key verse in this chapter is verse 22 of Hebrews 9 it says without blood shedding one word without blood shedding there is no forgiveness of sins this chapter let me tell you is full of blood and death it uses the term blood at least 11 times and also uses the word death several times when Mosaic Covenant was ratified blood was shed upon the altar and upon the people let me read to you from chapter 9 verse 20 now this is stated in Exodus 24 the ratification of Mosaic Covenant he said as he sprinkled blood upon the people he said this is the blood of the covenant which God has commanded you to keep serve without bloodshedding without the death of a substitute there is no forgiveness no cleansing of conscience no worship no fellowship with God no salvation nothing you can get your PhD but you cannot be forgiven of your sins and your own physical death will not bring about your salvation you are a sinner unfit we need a substitute death is a must but whose death the Old Testament promised a Messiah a suitable substitute who will make your conscience as white as snow though, though your sins are like crimson and because of the substitute Messiah his death which Isaiah tells us in the 53rd chapter who bore our sins we need a substitute, a mediator, a guarantor of good things. 
good things. And so we have a guarantor, the Son of God, Jesus Christ. His mission was to bring many sons from shame to glory, from death to life. And so we read in chapter 2, since the children have flesh and blood, the Messiah too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might destroy the devil and liberate us from slavery to sin and death. He became mediator of the new covenant. On Good Friday he died. God man died. The holy Jesus died. As our substitute making atonement for our sin. I read to you from verse 20. Moses said to people, this is the blood of the covenant which God has commanded you to keep. But of course they didn't keep. They must die. But thank God, turn with me to the book of Luke. On the night in which he was betrayed, this is what he said. Chapter 22 of Luke and verse 20. This copies the new covenant. In my blood, not the blood of animals, in my blood, ratified by my blood, that is my, my death, which is poured out for you, for your benefit, for your salvation. That is everyone who believes in this Jesus and his death will be saved for your benefit, sir. Matthew chapter 26, and he tells us something else. And verse 28, and we read, this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Oh, your misery and your gloom, your shame, your degradation, your hopelessness, your depression is due to sin and guilt weighing you down. And so Jesus said, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many, for what? For the forgiveness of sins. And St. Paul reflects on this and says, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. So, glory be to God, praise be to God, a substitute died, a fit substitute died, God man died. St. Paul uses a bold expression in Acts 20 and verse 28. And there we read, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he, God, bought with his own blood. Now you understand only one went through the split carcasses. God, not Abraham. God sheds his own blood in the death of Jesus Christ. The church is bought with God's blood. We violated God's law. We must die. And yet not we who died. God died. God shed his blood. God's son Jesus died in our place. For our benefit. For our salvation. For our everlasting joy and happiness. Sir. You think happiness is eating and drinking and hugging gold. And having sex and fornication. 
looking at pornography and downloading children's pornography. That's not what happiness is. It is the happiness of the degenerate. The church is bought with God's blood. Christ Jesus died, his blood is shed. Sinners now can be saved. That's the gospel, that's the good news. Their consciences made clean forever. They can now draw near to God. They can now worship God forever in eternal joy because a death has occurred. Not the death of animals and birds, but the death of God's Son on Good Friday. On Calvary's hill, He died. Turn to chapter 9, verse 15 of Hebrews. There we read, and I will speak from this verse, and verse 24 and 26 in detail. For this reason, Christ is mediator of a new covenant that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance now that he has died. That's the basis. A death has occurred which the covenant demanded. Now look at chapter 9. Verse 26. But now he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. And turn to chapter 13 and verse 12. And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. We are made holy acceptable to God to have fellowship with God everyone who trusts in the death of Jesus Christ is holy and he can appear with confidence and with good conscience to the very presence of God to enjoy happiness, pure happiness, unending happiness Look at chapter 13, verse 20. May the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant, brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus. A death has occurred. A unique death has occurred. In the midpoint of history. Which will solve our misery, our depression, our gloom, our anxiety, our fear. Turn with me to the book of Mark, chapter 10 and verse 45. And there we read, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The price of our redemption was the death of Jesus Christ. And he paid that price on Good Friday, on Calvary's hill, in the midpoint of time. That you may live, that you may be happy and blessed. And it was not optional. It was necessary, demanded by God in his covenant. And so Jesus consciously, self-consciously makes this statement. In chapter 24 of Luke, verse 26, did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? Must 
divinely determined in the covenant of redemption, Christ, Son of God, agreed with the Father that he would do it. Must die. And you ask, what is it? Then you discover he died in your place, in your place. You were the Barabbas's waiting for the moment of execution. But Jesus died in his place for, therefore the Barabbas was let go. You are free! And he was physically let go. And we are, everyone who trusts in Jesus Christ, God lets us live physically and spiritually and everlastingly in eternal happiness. Turn to Philippians chapter 2 where you read Christ became obedient unto death because death was necessary. God became man and Jesus became obedient in life and in death. Turn to Romans 8 and verse 34. This is speaking in reference to those who trusted in him. Look at verse 34 and memorize it. Who is he that condemns? Who is he that condemns? He is challenging all creation in the whole world, including the devil and the demons. Who is he that condemns? You cannot condemn. Nobody can condemn. The devil is the accuser of the brethren, but he cannot condemn. Understand it. Nobody can condemn you. Who is he that condemns? And what's the answer? Christ Jesus who died. He died the necessary death. Christ Jesus who died. More than that who was raised to life. He lives and he lives forever. On the right hand of God and what is he doing? He is interceding for us and we'll talk more about it. Sir, a death has occurred. Blood is shed. And we are sprinkled clean. As Moses sprinkled the blood upon the Israelites when he ratified the Mosaic covenant. But now a new covenant is established. Christ himself died in our place and his blood is shed upon us. We are saved. We are cleansed. We are holy. Hallelujah. So we are happy in Jesus, sir. So Paul says Christ died for our sins. And was raised for our justification. Third, the covenant blessings. Look at chapter 9, verse 11. It tells you this. When Christ came as the high priest of what? Good things that are already here. Good things, sir. Every Christian is invited to enjoy what? Good things. His bad things are all taken away. Hallelujah. His guilt is taken away. His death is taken away. He is invited. He said good things in Jesus Christ. Chapter 2 verse 3 tells us how shall you escape if you neglect what this great salvation. In chapter 6, 4 and 5 it tells you some of the good things. It is impossible for those who have been enlightened. Enlightenment, sir. We lived in darkness and we are given light. Tasted the heavenly gift 
shared in the Holy Ghost, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the coming age. Good things, sir. Hallelujah. Good things. In chapter 8, verse 10 through 12 speaks about regeneration, fellowship, forgiveness of all things. Chapter 9, verse 14, good conscience. Chapter 9, verse 12, eternal redemption. Good things, sir. Jesus Christ brought good things when he came down from heaven. Good things for you. For which you don't have to work. Everyone is invited to feast. Come and feast. Now take a look at chapter 9 verse 15. For this reason Christ is the mediator of a new covenant. That those who are called... I'll say a few words about called. Now, if you are not called, you have no part in it. Those who are called. And who are the called? And who calls? God calls. And you can be here. You can listen to my voice. And then all of a sudden, one person knows in his heart the tug of the Holy Ghost. Is called. God calls him, sir. And when God calls, called effectual calling. When God calls, what happens, sir? You come, sir. You come. You come. You come weeping. You come believing. You come running. You come to feast. And God is calling. In other words, they are the elect. They are the chosen ones. Let me tell you, salvation is limited to those who are called. Those who are called, turn with me to the book of Romans. Let me read to you from chapter 8, 29 and 30. For those God foreknew, you can say those God foreloved, loved before. Loved before when, sir? In all eternity, from all eternity. God loved us. He also predestined We are going to heaven and that destination is all determined by God himself. Predestined to be conformed in the likeness of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined he also what? Called. Did they come? Oh yes they they did and they do. Those he called he also justified. Those he justified he also glorified. (laughs) Hallelujah. Chapter 3 verse 1 addresses us as sharers of heavenly calling. That is, this calling is from heaven and to heaven. Hallelujah. Not to hell, sir. Not six to six feet under either. Called from heaven and to heaven. And thank God it is not even limited to Israel. You are called black and white. All the families of the earth be blessed. Let me tell you, you may ask, how do I know that I'm called? Let me give you an answer, very simple answer. And what's the answer? If you repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you are called. You are chosen. Hallelujah. It doesn't matter who is looking at me. You don't care. You feel that pull. Of the Holy Ghost in your soul. And you come. You come to the feast. And you bring nothing. Salvation is by grace. Through faith. And you come and feast. 
clothed in the perfect righteousness of Christ. Hallelujah. Oh, he is bringing many sons to God, many sons to glory. From death to life, from shame to glory, he is calling. Hallelujah. And what is your excuse? And they said, I bought real estate. Remember that? I, I bought oxen. And somebody said, I got married. I don't worry about your feast. Shall we rise? And I will speak more this evening. Shall we rise? You have an excuse? Are you going to go to graduate school? To do research to find out what makes people happy. The man said, we know what makes them miserable, but we don't know what makes them happy. You fool. Why don't you understand that God sent his son from heaven into this miserable fallen world to tell us good news. And you can find your solution in behavior psychology or in philosophy or in anything else. But it will deceive you. It will deceive you. But here is salvation based on the death of Jesus Christ. He died not for his sin, for his guilt. No, he died for your sin, for your guilt. You know, hypocrisy and pretensions. People pretend to be happy. They smile. They say things and all that. Oh, no. Listen to your own heart deep within. Tell the truth. But thank God you are here. And you heard the word, a death has occurred on that Good Friday on Calvary's hill. And he died, not for himself, for you. And if you repent and believe and trust in him, then you are in the company of those who are called, those who are invited. Come and eat. I listen to myself. I'm a miserable person. I'm a sinner under the wrath of God. I violate the covenant and I must die. But I heard the good news that someone else, son of God, died in my place. And I believe in him. Save me, Lord Jesus. And he will come to have fellowship with you. That's what happiness is. Heavenly Father, we pray that you... Solve our misery problem, our anxiety problem, our worry problem, our guilt problem, our unhappiness, our mood changes. Lord, help us to turn away from the things of this world to make us happy. A death has occurred. A death of the Son of God. God shed his blood. For us miserable sinners. Lord we confess that we are guilty. We are under the wrath of God. But someone else suffered God's wrath in our place. And we are free. We are free. Free to serve the Lord in joy. Hallelujah. Save your people. Heal your people. Strengthen your people. This we pray in Jesus name. Amen. You've been listening to Grace and Glory Audio of this sermon, The Blessings of Good Friday. Come back soon for more transforming Bible teaching from Pastor P.G. Matthew.